0: Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I, I am simply just asking for your grace. Lord, this is not an easy subject, and so Lord, I'm just asking God that you would come And you would speak clearly. Father, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence. Lord, I I just right now just thank you, God, that you said in your word where two or three are gathered in the midst. God, you're there. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are here. And, uh, Lord, I pray that we would turn our radio stations to your channel, God, so we could hear you today and hear what you're saying and uh, what you desire to do in our life in this season, in this hour. So, Lord, we become hungry, become expecting. And, Lord, we just thank you for doing only what you can do. And that's, and that's the impossible, that you bring life change. So, Jesus, we honor you. Holy Spirit, we make room for you. Come say what only you can say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, as we begin this morning, I want to share uh, just a few thoughts. I was reading a book by Edwin Lewis Cole and his wife, Nancy. These are just a few highlights that I kind of pulled from the book because I think they're very pertinent to the subject we're talking about today. But they start off and they said this. They said that many women embark on a search for the real me, only to be deceived or frustrated as they attempt to become whatever is the present-day image of a woman. Let me pause there. If you've lived long enough, you know that the present-day image of a woman has changed drastically drastically over uh, basically the last, say, 50 years. Yes, it, it, in fact, it, it changes c- quite often. Anyway, so it goes on to say this, that they are outwardly conforming yet inwardly rebelling. That one day, they one day discover that deep inside they are not the person they have accidentally become. So let me maybe say this before we get rolling, that that ladies, if we could be honest with ourselves today, basically the dream that we had when we were a little girl or a teenager, when we set out on adulthood, you know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years later, have we arrived where we thought we were going to arrive? Or inwardly, do we somehow hate who we've become? Am I making sense? The next thing he said, just once again, pull another highlight here. He said, others are afraid to admit what they really desire to become. In other words, they hesitate to share their dreams, their passions, their desires, their goals. And the first person that they hesitate to share that with is their husband. Says they hesitate to talk about what they believe is their real potential. After all, repression or to suppress it seems easier to deal with than rejection. In other words, if I share what's really in my heart, am I just going to be laughed at or am I just going to basically be rejected, meaning that I'm not really believed in? The next thing they said is this, as they said, Some women have learned to seek and receive roses, dinners, and diamonds, yet they never have the stability, security, satisfaction of identity, or real love they truly desire. A great number of women have given their lives over to men, wanting to live through husbands and boyfriends, meaning, meaning that, they've made, that they've made a man their source. It says only to be disappointed in the men and as a result in themselves. If I could somehow take all of that and just go, um, if we can put all that disappointment that's wrapped up in those three things, I think it kind of manifests or reveals itself in our society in this way. Basically this, that, that once again, don't throw rocks at me. But, but I think if we, if we sat back and we listened to some, I want to circle that word, some women talk long enough. Basically, the message we would hear would be simply this. Because men aren't stepping up and being men, women don't have permission or the freedom to be women. Of course, a man's response to that is this. Because women aren't being women, Men don't have permission or freedom to be men, right? So basically this kind of dissatisfaction, this kind of discontentment, all it does is it leads us to the blame game. And the reason is, it's because uh, the blame game basically is birthed out of resentment. And that's basically what's happening in there. In other words, I'm not who I am supposed to be because of you, right? Anytime, Anytime there's a situation going on in life, it's always somebody else's fault. It's never mine. Right? And a woman points to a man, and a man points to a woman. Are you all with me? But here's the sad truth about all this, is that both of those statements are correct. And both man and woman are to blame. And the reason I say that is because this, is because both of us, man and women, we're, men and women, we're both guilty of not knowing how to walk in our God-given design and our identity. Did you hear that? Because we don't know Our God-given identity and our our God-given design, we don't walk in. it. maybe a better way to say it is this, is because we don't understand our roles, we don't walk in it. And so what happens is, because a man doesn't know his role and a woman doesn't know her role, as a culture, we're stuck in this unhealthy cycle where men and women live in some sort of power struggle. I see this all over the place. It's it's basically this. It's like men and women are competing in in some invisible tug-of-war match. And uh, once again, the whole goal is to see who can gain more power, to see who gained more control, to more authority, more acceptance, and so on. So true, isn't it? So unfortunately, watch this. This cycle or this behavior hasn't only become normal in our society. It's become acceptable. If you were here last week, you'll remember I said this. I said basically it would be foolish for us, especially as believers who know God, it would be foolish for us to sit back in and actually not think that the enemy is all up in this. It's a ploy. And once again, it's a ploy for what? It's a ploy to erode the very family structure that God has designed for us to enjoy. Yep, right. Makes sense. That, that if, we're, if we're honest here, guys, in our marriage, how often do we say, man, I'm happy? Right? That there's joy. See, and I also think that, what this, said, not only will we be, be foolish to, uh, you know, not point at the devil in this, but I also think we'd be foolish not to think that this ideology of man-blaming woman and woman-blaming man, that we haven't thought that, man, that, that, that thing hasn't hit the church as well. The church has embraced it. In fact, let me give you one example, and this may sound really petty, but, but, but I read this. It's basically an example of a, of a woman about to introduce a male speaker at a conference, and this is how she introduced him. She said this, she said, God created light and said, I can do better. You might have heard this before. So he made the worlds. Then he said, I can do better. And so he made the animals. He saw the animals and said again, I can do better. So he made man. God saw all that he had made and he still said, I can do what? Better. So he made a woman. Then God rested because he could do no Better. Now listen, as you can imagine, in that, in that crowd, everybody laughed. But for whatever reason, this woman that was introducing, I'm not picking on her, but, but she, she unknowingly proved that she felt a need, a, a desire to pull on the rope of that invisible war. Listen, while, while statements might, like hers might be funny, uh, I think we all need to realize this. I'm going to throw something up there. Get this, belittling the other gender, talking to men and women here, belittling the other gender to lift up our own has never and will never enable us to know and walk in our design or our role more effectively. The truth is, is it does the exact opposite. And the reason it does the exact opposite is because the grace of God's not on that behavior. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's talk real quick. What are some of the things that confuse or, or take away from a woman's God-given design? I've got four things today. Number one, here we go. Number one is the entertainment industry. Two ways. Obviously, there's that way that they present men. I'm going to talk real grown here for a second. Uh, that they present men like all they want is sex. And so they paint a woman as an, basically an object of sex. Totally wrong. We'll talk about that next week. But listen, or the other way is this, is once again, a, their man is an absolute buffoon and an idiot, and he doesn't know, uh, you know, what, he doesn't know anything. I was going to say something there, would be inappropriate. But he, 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 doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a clue, so obviously what happens is the woman's in control, and she is leading the way, and, all, and that's not right either, okay? The second thing that basically confuses a woman's design is the feminist, feminist groups. Now, now, now listen, y'all. Here, I'm going to tell you you my thought. Can I tell you my thought today? My thought was this. Y'all look at me. I'm being really honest. My thought was this, is, man, this is really going to minister to some people today. I'm really going to get myself in trouble. So, so I'm going to say what I'm about to say in in a great amount of respect, okay? But this, y'all listen to me, please. When a woman forsakes her elegance in an attempt to compete with men by emulating a man they unknowingly abandoned their own strengths and, and if i can just say something once again if you have problems talk to angelo okay but <laughs> but if when a woman loses her elegance i'm telling you that is the biggest turnoff to a man please hear that ladies right please yes all right, so kind of give you a thought on those two. Once again, so we're talking about basically our culture and we're talking about, really that's it, we're talking about our culture. But in those two things, if we, and, and men can do it too, but if we look to those things to somehow find our, our identity and we somehow let them teach us how to, uh, how we should act and how we should respond in our role, guys, we're going to be greatly disappointed and the reason is, is because that's the blind leading the blind. Yes. Right? All right. So the third thing that really takes away from basically a woman being a woman is simply this. It, it's, and this may sound odd, but it's parents. Yeah. Now, I realize that everybody hasn't had, didn't grow up in dysfunction. I did. And, and I tell you what, getting older, getting married, all those things, what I saw growing up from how my... My father treated my stepmom how my stepdad treated my uh, my mom. I tell you what, it it was it was not a good example of of the role. It was a power struggle. On, on one end, on one end, my mom she is so uh, strong natured, strong strong natured woman. She just constantly fought for the control. Now, obviously, when you're in a blended family, it's hard, right? Because that's my kids, right? And it adds all that all that just mess maybe we'll talk about that later too so on the other side you know it was where uh my stepmom didn't have a job didn't have any money so my dad came in he worked a lot of hours and he sat down in his lazy boy chair and basically stuck out his hand and a drink got put in it and and it was the total it was one was here and the other one was here and neither one of them were healthy Am I making sense? And so and so, if I try to bring what my dad taught me, if I try to bring what my stepdad taught me to, to marriage, it wouldn't work, right? And just as much as a lot of you women, if you try to bring what your mama taught you, guess what? It doesn't work. Is that okay to say that? It's this. On one, on one side, you know, who wants to be a doormat, right? We, we, got, we got to figure out the, what true biblical submission is because it's not that. And, and then the other side is, is guess what? When a woman, um, I'm going to use a biblical term here, but when a woman tries to control everything, she begins to operate out what the Bible talks about as the Jezebel spirit. you you're following? So anyways, number four, and this one might surprise you, but what takes away from a woman being a woman? Number four, the church. And I think uh, this is me talking, men, you can get mad at me all you want, I don't care. Okay? You don't have to email Angelo or talk to Angelo. you come talk to me on this one but 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 the church has absolutely robbed women of who they're called to be. In the church today, we teach so much. can I just say what is crap? That's wrong. It's not biblical, and and the way we treat women is not healthy. it's not right. okay? Now is there a balance? Yes, all right. Because, once again, that same struggle that's in our marriage is also in the church. And, and, and we're asking God to bless us, but there's no unity. You, you know, we can, we can talk about, you know, I can, I can have unity with my brother Kyle. But guess what? Can, can, can Kyle have unity with Susie or whoever? Are you, are you tracking? There needs to be unity all the way around if we really want God to bless us. And we're not going to know that unity until we know our roles. Okay? So, so listen to what John Eldred said. And I think this is true. Maybe this might clarify it. But he said this, said, Sadly, Christianity has missed her, the woman's heart as well. Walk into most churches in America, have a look around and ask yourself this question. What is a Christian woman? Again, don't listen to what is said. Look at what you find there. There is no doubt about it. You have to admit a Christian woman is tired. Now, now let me clarify. This is, not, this is not talking about the woman that rolls into church uh, you know, late and, and, and rolls out as soon as it's over. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the woman who has committed uh, a part of her life to the local body. Okay? Are you all with me? It says, all we've offered the feminine soul is pressure to be a good servant. No one is fighting for her heart. There is no grand adventure to be swept up in, and every woman doubts very much that she has any beauty to unveil. And if I could maybe add to that, this to John's words, I think this, that so many women, and once again, not all women, but so many women have become the Cinderella of the church. And here's why I say that. It's because they do all of the work and they get the least amount of praise. That's what I'm talking about. Are you following me? That, that it, and, and if we're being honest here, why do they not? And some of you guys are going to get so mad at me, but why, why do they not? Because they're not a man. Listen, this church would fold in a day if it wasn't for women. Amen. If I depended on the men in this church, we'd be done. We'd be done. Shut the door. And that's truth. And then you get mad because what a woman tries to do and who she tries to become. But once again, are, y- are y'all hearing me? Yeah. Please, it it, it is this. Look, our worship team would be done. Our office would be done. Our children's ministry would be done. We'd be done. There's not one area outside of what I'm doing right now that wouldn't be done. Yes? All right. If I could sum this up, look, I prayed for graces today, right? Okay, so if I could sum all this up, all this behavior, and we'll get rolling here, but this is all just kind of intro. If I could sum all of this up with one verse of how we behave and how we act and what our cycle is, it's really this, it's Hosea 4.6. And, and I'm going to give you a flip side. It wasn't, but I'm going to. Here we go. It says, my people, but if I could say this, that if God's talking, that my people's design, their identities, their roles, their marriages are being destroyed or perishing for a lack of knowledge. So watch this. On one side, we just don't know how to do this. Right? We just don't know. We haven't seen it. We, we don't know how. And, and guess what? So what we do, we, we repeat what we've seen. And more often than not, we just do what we feel. We're driven by our emotions, ladies, and we're driven by our flesh, men. Are y'all with me? So, but let me give you uh, another thing here. If you actually look at that verse, because it's preached wrong so often and I kind of just did it too. It actually means this. That my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. If you keep reading, it says this. It says that they were preached. They were given what they supposed to do, but they ignored it and they rejected it. They willfully turned from it, and thus they perish. In other words, they're not doer of the word. They didn't apply it, right? It's, uh, I'll, throw, I'll throw this in there real quick. Uh, I, I read this. Evan Lewis Cole said this, and I don't want to misquote him. I got it way down here at the bottom. He said, truth is like soap. It won't do you any good if it is not applied. (laughs) So true. So basically this, I think today, listen, going forward, I I have. let me maybe stop and say this first. I'm really hesitant to talk about any of this because um, there's so much that I need to learn in this as well. So if you guys could give me just the grace to learn as we go. I'm getting some eye-openers here personally. So it's not just for you guys; it's for me too. And and, and uh, you know, I kind of feel like God said, "Okay, bud, if you're not going to learn one way, you'll learn this way." So let me put you in the spot. And so we're kind of learning. So I, I'm telling you as we go here, all right? So, anyways, so I, I think this as a church, we have a choice, and the choice is either this: we can either ignore this unhealthy cycle, this invisible tug of war, and act like it doesn't exist when it really does, or we can humble our hearts and we can look to God's word and hopefully rediscover and reclaim what God's given design is for our lives, right? But, but the last one uh, requires humility. And humility requires what? Teachability and obedience. Yes? So somewhere along the lines, once again, the soap of God's word, we got to apply it. Amen? All right, let's shift gears. For the next few minutes, I want to talk in a greater measure about a, a uh, woman's design, okay? Uh, Jim and Stacy, can you come here, please? Hey, look, I I had somebody else in mind, but they're not here, so it's coming to you, all right? So I'll tell you who it is later, and you can get on them. (laughs) They're close to you. So Jim, if you can stand over here, Stacy, if you can stand over here. If you guys don't know, these guys are about to get married, and I'm so pumped. So we're going to be a little ahead of the game here, but it's all right. Here we go. All right, so listen to this. Talk about a woman's design. In Genesis one, this is what theologians tell us. Okay, in Genesis one, when God created Adam, the first man, God implanted within Adam his complete nature. Somebody say complete nature. complete nature, which meant this: that Adam, when he was once again was first created, what happened was is he was given both the masculinity and he was given the feminine qualities of God. He was basically the disciplinarian. He was the nurturer. He was tough and he was tender. Are y'all with me? Basically, then theologians are going to say this, that when God saw in Genesis chapter 2 that it wasn't good for Adam or for man to be alone, guess what? He created Eve, the woman. And so what happened is, we all know, it, we kind of said it last week, when, when God did this, he took obviously a rib out of the side of Adam. Correct? Correct? Yes? Correct? Yes. So what happened then? That rib was symbolic of something being taken from Adam, okay? Being taken from Adam and being given or being placed into Eve. Watch this. The point is this, is that when God created Eve, he took the feminine, he took the nurturing, he took the tenderness of his own nature that was already in Adam, out of Adam, and he gave it to the woman, leaving what? The man with masculinity as the disciplinarian and tough, toughness. Are y'all following me? Yes. That's why when a man now starts acting like that, something's wrong, Right? And when a woman starts trying to act like that, something's wrong. Okay? So what happened is, is man received the masculine heart of God. Woman received the feminine heart of God. And together, guys, they reveal Together they complete a whole picture of God's heart. Okay? So watch this. Psalm 62, 11, 12 says, One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O God, are loving. Watch this. We know the Bible says that God is a righteous judge, correct? But we also know the the Bible says that God, basically what? That he desires to gather his children in the way a hen, which is a female, right? A hen would gather her chicks. Are y'all seeing this? So watch this. I I don't want you to miss this. And this is where I think so many of us mess up. Is we need to understand that both man and woman received God-given strengths. Both did. All right, Both are special and both are unique in their own right. Neither are better than the other. I need to say that one again. Neither are better than the other. Each complement the other. Thus together they make one. So watch this. Remember what Genesis 2.24 says. It says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, right, and be joined to his wife, right? A man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one. that word one actually means they shall be complete. So to drive this home a little bit further, watch this. Genesis 2.18 says, then God said, we already kind of quote this, it's not good for man to be alone. But then we add, I will make him a helper suitable. That does not mean a slave. Does not mean a doormat, but a helper suitable or comparable to him. Watch this. As most of you guys know, the word helper there means help meet. We've all heard that. And we all go, what in the world's a help meet, right? Meet's just weird. Anyways, it's just weird to me. But, but, but listen, we may not know that the word helper there also means this. It means Completed. Get that? So so what, what God is trying to tell us is that when He created Eve, or by the creation of Eve, the creation of woman, basically the completion of man was made. Am I making sense to you guys? So so as much as we men, right, like our independence, like our strength, you know, that, that strong nature that we have, because we all got it. Every man in this room has an independence that your wife hates. Every one of us do, okay? But but the reason we have that is, guess what, is, is, let me say it this way. Even though we like that side of us, uh, we need to realize that by God's design, without a woman, Jim, for us to become one is impossible. In other words, for us to, it's it's this, that only through marriage, what's going to happen on what, August the 4th? Get your gifts ready, all right? So, but it's this, that... that Basically, we become one with and in marriage, and without marriage, we can't be completed. Now, let me say something kind of here, because I realize everybody's not married. If God's called you to celibacy, or God's called you to not being married, Jesus will be this for you. Okay? But, but for us that feel the call to, to get married, it's, it's understanding this, that for a man, without, without a woman, he cannot be complete. But watch this. The same goes for the lady. Without a man, she can't be complete. Right? That's why there's that natural draw. Right? Because there's that desire within us to be whole from God that can't happen unless we're made one with the opposite sex. Are you all with me? So, But here's also the, the unique part. When a man doesn't have a woman, right, what happens is, is, is let me say it this way, there's potential for his identity, and there's potential for his design and his, for his role to be lost and to be misdirected. Okay? And the same thing goes for the woman as well. If, it, if the man's not there, she will feel, once again, that she needs to fill the void. And, and in this sense, I, I'll just say it this way I have some really good friends that were raised by single moms, and, and that single mom many times acted more like a man than she did a woman. Something's wrong. Yes? It's incomplete. Let me give you one more thing, and we'll let these guys sit down. But but the Hebrew word for helper there in verse eighteen that we just read, it also means something more than just uh, you know help help meet, and it means something more than completed. It actually means this. Get this: when God created woman, he, he basically you look sad. When, when God created when God created woman, work with me here. It's not that bad. It, it's, at least I hope. Okay, that I'm trying to help you. Okay, so so basically, it, it actually means this. In in the Hebrew language, it means that he created a lifesaver. Get that. So so watch this, ladies, because something that really frustrates me in the church is when a woman wants to poke at a man and tell him that basically it's all his fault because he fell in the garden. First of all, she was deceived, right? But here's the thing. By her design as lifesaver, she could have saved the moment. And she didn't. Am I making sense, you guys? Yes. So we got to quit pointing the finger at that thing, right? So so watch this. But here's what's so awesome. Here's what this means. It means that as a woman, your original design by God was you were meant to be an ally to your husband. Not an enemy. Not someone who's in a tug-of-war match. If there's a tug-of-war match going on, it should be both of you. Go over there beside Jimmy. It should be both of you guys pulling in the same direction against the enemy. Right? That's the only tug of war that should be happening. I mean give these guys a hand. They're awesome. All right. I got a few minutes. Let me speed up here. Let's take this one step further. Like I said, like I said last week, I think John Eldridge did an absolutely amazing job at captivating the design and the heart and the core desires of every man and every woman in his book called Wild at Heart. If you haven't read it, read it. And his wife wrote basically another one called Captivating. Read that one too. All right? So watch this. Here's what he said. He said basically at the heart of every man, the core of every man, he has three desires. If you missed this, listen to last week's podcast. But number one was this. Every man desires a battle to fight. Number two, an adventure to live. And number three, a beauty to rescue. It is so in us. Okay, it's all I can say. Listen, last week. Here we go. Whereas at the core of every woman, guess what? Though not entirely different from a man, guess what? They remain distinctly feminine, but here's the three. She desires to be fought for. She desires an adventure to share. And she desires basically to have a beauty to unveil. So let's take a deeper look at those three, and we'll go on and eat a chicken dinner, all right? Number one. Every woman desires to be fought for. As I told you last week, I don't have to look much further than my own home in this. Okay, uh, basically, two of my wife's favorite movies, and we're going to show you the covers here, but two of my wife's favorite movies are this The Princess Bride, it's number one. Okay, listen, in this, if you've never seen this movie, where the, this is where the farm boy turned pirate Wesley rescues his one true love, right? Buttercup from the evil prince. Humperdink. There's many jokes that I could give you with the name Humperdink, but I will not. All right. Any woman would want to be rescued from a man named Humperdink. All right. So, anyways, leaving that alone. But anyways, so and the other one is this: is it's the man from the snowy river. Yeah. This is where the the young young Jim Craig, right? He fights to win the heart of Jessica, the rancher's daughter. anybody ever seen that movie? Yeah. anybody ever seen the first movie? Oh man, <laughs> some of you guys need to get out more often. Anyways, here we go. But listen, I, why does why does my wife and why do so many women like movies like that? Let, let me let me go more into the world that I just want to go shoot myself. Hallmark movies. Some of you fellas, I don't understand you. Okay. Um, but, but anyways, why do they like these movies? And this is what I want the guys to see in here. Obviously, not every woman wants a battle to fight, right? But every woman yearns to be fought for. Why? We all know, by our Prince Charming, by our knight-shining armor, and, and maybe a more accurate way of saying, you know, basically fault four. it's really this, that every woman desires and wants to know, don't miss this, she wants to know if she is worth being pursued, if she is worth being noticed, if she is worth being wanted, if she is worth being loved. Remember what the Bible says, guys, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, right? You can't find anything the last time I checked if you're not looking or pursuing it. If you're not looking for it, right? That's how you... That's how you get a hold of it, right? So watch this. Your wife or the lady in your life, even your daughters that are in this room, listen, she may not come out and say it, but there's an undeniable thirst for affection that needs to be quenched, and there's a desire for attention that needs to be satisfied. Yes? So listen, if that wasn't true, guys, why would God tell us this? In Ephesians 5.25, husbands love. Go on down, nourish and cherish your wives. Just as Christ also loved, if I could add, fought for the church and gave himself for her. Why would God tell us that? It's because he knows her desire. Why? Because he put it there. Right? And can I say this to you? And, and um, some of y'all may disagree with this, but that's okay. It, it's, it's this. I think God told us that because it's not natural for us. It's a reminder that we got to have him, and the reminder, just give us grace, God, to be able to do that. Because once again, that part, much of it was taken from us and given to her. Right? So ladies, give us some grace. We're trying. Right? But all that doesn't come natural. Is that okay to say that? Some of y'all women are going to get mad at me. But anyways, <laughs> it is, because I prayed for it. I spoke it in there. So, so, what is God trying to tell us, basically, in this part of the woman? What's he trying to tell us about himself? Let, Let me just make this plain. I think he wants to remind us that he wants to be pursued. Listen, does the Bible not say in James 4, draw near to me and I will draw near to you? We make the first step. Does he not say in Jeremiah 29, you will find me when you seek me or when you pursue me with all of your heart? I think God wants us to know that he wants to be noticed. Remember Jeremiah 32, he says, I'll put a desire in the heart to worship me. This morning, it was really about do we notice him enough to worship him? Can we take our attention off everything else and fix our gaze on him? Some of us did that. Some of us didn't do that. But it was a moment where this is in action, where God was going, please notice me. God wants to be loved. Why else would Jesus tell us to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength? In other words, it's this: inside of every woman, she doesn't want to know that you love her halfway or that you love her and that other lady, but that you love her with all of your heart. Yes? Last thing is, I believe God wants to tell us this, that he wants to be a priority to someone. Get that. Hear the heart of God in that, gang, that he wants to be a priority to someone. Remember Matthew 6, seek first. Remember what he said in Revelation 3, return to your first love. He wants to be a priority, gang. Amen? Listen, if you don't think the the whole idea of pursuit is in the heart of God, listen to this. Song of Solomon, Lord Jesus, help us. If you're not married, don't read this book, all right? (laughs) Stay away. It says this. I'm going to give you the G version here, okay? It says this. This is Solomon's Song of Songs. He says, most wonderful than any other. This is a young man talking right here. In other words, out of all the writings that he wrote, more than any of them, this is the best. Verse 2. Kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. How pleasing is your fragrance. Your name is like the spreading fragrance of scented oils. No wonder all the young women love you. Number four, take me with you. Come, let's run. The king has brought me into his bedroom. Fast forward to verse 8. It says this. This is the young man talking. First one was the woman. This one's the man. I think I said that wrong. says, if you don't know a most beautiful woman, you are as exciting, my darling, as a mare among Pharaoh's stallions. How lovely are your cheeks. Your earrings set them afire. How lovely is your neck, enhanced by a string of jewels. says, we will make for you earrings of gold and beads of silver. And I'm going to stop there because there's kids in the room. Okay? But are you seeing this? In other words, he's saying basically, here's the man and here's the woman, and there's this pursuit that's happening, right? Where they're just totally captivated by one another. You guys remember those days? It's called when you first met. Number two, every woman desires an adventure to share. Listen, sometimes I'm slower than a brick, meaning I'm not the brightest. But one thing I've learned, and I'm learning over 15 years of marriage is this, is that, yes, my wife wants to be fought for. Yes, she wants to be pursued. Yes, she wants to be noticed. Yes, she wants to be loved. But she's not a trophy to be put on the shelf. Fellas, that it's not that we win this woman's heart, and then we kind of put her there and go, look what I accomplished. Yeah? We don't, we don't intend to do that, but we kind of do that. Right? Yeah. Listen, at the same time, this woman wants to feel strong. She wants to feel valuable. She wants to feel appreciated. But maybe most of all, she wants to feel like she is a part of the adventure. And if I can maybe say it this way, if truth be known, if I am reading my wife correctly, which I think I am, what I've learned from my wife is that when she isn't part of the adventure, she doesn't feel strong. She doesn't feel valuable. She doesn't feel appreciated you all follow me. There's this part that, yes, that my wife will support me. Yes, she will follow me. But I think at the end of the day, she wants to have the confidence and the reassurance that she has something to offer. In other words, if I could say a flat line, guys, it's this. That she wants to know that the adventure isn't complete without her. Because the truth is, it isn't. All y'all, women like, thank you. So true, isn't it? Man, we're dumber than bricks. We don't understand that. Watch this, though. Here's what I realize is, once again, I, I, think, I think for some of us fellows in here, that frustrates us. Right? It frustrates us. But we got to stop and go realize that God is no different. Watch this. He says this, for without me you can bear no fruit. Now, now what is he saying here? He's saying that if he isn't the center of the journey, it isn't complete. If he isn't a part of our journey, it's not a completed journey. In other words, he's saying this in the, in the the heart of God. He's saying, "I want to be a part." He's saying this. He goes, "I want I want people to remember I have something to offer." If you want to talk about the understatement of the day, that's it. That God, yes, God has a lot to offer, right? But it's this, this basically at this core is he's personal. His heart is for relationship. He wants to be with us. He wants to be for us. And us this understanding that he didn't have to make us, but he did. Why? Because he wants to share in an adventure. Right? In other words, let me maybe say it this way. It is not God's will for us to be two ships passing in the night. Once again, we can go back to Solomon to see this. Chapter 2, verse 8 says this. This is the woman talking. She says, oh, I hear my lover coming. Watch it. This is so pretty. Says he is leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. He's been on a hike. Says, My lover is like a swift gazelle (laughs) or a young stag. And it says, Look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. Says, My lover said to me, Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Look, watch this. The winter is past and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The seasons of uh, singing birds has come and the cooing of turtledoves fills the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. What is she talking about? She's talking about joining him on his adventure. Can you see that? In other words... Don't enjoy all of that without me. Please, let me join you. Number three, every woman desires to have a beauty to unveil. God, this is so true. Last week, I... Very quickly, I used my daughter as an example, and I talked about how when when Michaela was younger, she would uh, go in a room, and, and her you know her mom and other people for her birthday, they bought her all these different uh, Disney dresses, princess dresses, whatever, and, and she would put them on, and, and wherever. Jen and I were at, she'd come floating in the room, right? And, and she would do a few twirls, do a few ballerina jumps. And, and, but why did she do that? Once again, it's because she wanted us to ooh and ah over her. She wanted us to, you, you know, once again say, uh, you know, we're, we see you, we're captivated by you. And yes, you are beautiful. But in her heart, even at a young age, she is trying to unveil a beauty. Am I making sense, you guys? And the truth is this, is that desire... Never, 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 never leaves a woman's heart. And it's this sense, guys, and once again, I you know, there's only some of us here, but listen, it, it's the lady, she has a desire, watch this, not just to be beautiful, but to be your beauty. She doesn't care about all those other knuckleheads out there, she wants to be your beauty. She wants you to be captivated by her. She wants you to delight in her. And how do I know this? Because Jen goes in the room, puts on princess dress. I'm kidding. Anyways. i kidding. Anyways, so... you funny. All right, so... Anyways. Here's what happens, though. Yeah, she twirls. Everything. It's amazing. Does a few jumps. Requires a lot of stretching at that age, doesn't it? Anyways, but... She's good with that, so don't, it's an inside joke there. All right, anyway, so it's kind of like this. Here's what, here's on a serious note. Let's say Jen and I are, are preparing to go on a date, and, you know, we know whatever we're going on a date, blah, 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 and, and I'll be doing something, typically working, okay? And, and Jen will, you know, go get fixed up, get ready, do her thing, and, and then, you know, she never comes and stands in front of me. She always stands peripheral vision. Always, I complicate things. I guess I don't know, but anyways, sends there and she will strike her pose, right? Whatever that pose is, and she will, and she will wait for me to notice her. Why? Because she wants to unveil her beauty. She wants me to say, "Babe, you're beautiful," right? Yes. I, thought you didn't know that. <laughs> I noticed. So think about this last thing, then we'll move on. Think about for a second about a woman on her wedding day. You know, that's something that, you know, I know all women don't do it, but a lot of women, they dream of that day. And in their wildest dreams, do do they dream about coming down the aisle looking like they've been drugged through the mud? (laughs) Or do they dream more like they've been in, uh, you know, Queen Esther's purification process, and then when she comes down the aisle, once again, here's what's so funny is us dudes, uh, you know, whatever, max an hour, we were ready, right? And we're sitting with the guys waiting, right, our our groomsmen. And, you know, for the women, man, y'all showed up at, oh, dark 30. And, and, I mean, it was before daylight. Y'all were there fixing your hair, putting your makeup on. I mean, just like, Jesus, help me. You you know, our wedding night didn't have more bobby pins in her hair than I think she's had in the last 15 years. It, I mean, there was so much work that went into that. But, but why? It was for that moment when the back doors of that church opened, or wherever you got married, opened. And, and once again, the beauty that was unveiled that day was not for anybody else in the room but me. Right? That hasn't stopped. At least it shouldn't. So once again, why does women do all this? Why do they do all of this? Why, why, why? Once again, because God does as well. God wants us to be captivated by his beauty gain. Absolutely captivated by his beauty. Listen how David put it in Psalms 27. We're almost done. He said this. He says, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. See, here's what's so awesome, guys. When, when, we decide, when we decide in our heart to pursue God, I'm talking to everybody in the room. When we decide to pursue God, we decide to notice Him, and we begin to worship Him. Okay, This one why worship is so huge for our relationship with God. But, but when we desire to, to worship Him, guess what? He comes and He reveals His beauty. He reveals His beauty by His presence. Sometimes His presence will be strong and commanding, that's the man side of God walking in the room, the masculinity side. And then there's other times, man, it's just tender and sweet. And there's such a peace that fills the place. That's the feminine side. Am I making sense, you guys? Some of us guys are scared of that. Please quit being scared. Can I be, can I be honest with you? And I, I don't know, whatever. Hopefully this will make sense because it's kind of coming to me in the moment. The reason some of us are so uncomfortable when our wives are that way, tender and all that, is because we've never been to the one who originated all that. But when we get with him and let the peace of God flood our hearts, because I'm telling you, he'll melt your heart like butter. Telling you. But what happens is, is there's something about the goodness of God that's there that makes that a whole lot more natural when you're with your wife. You you know, listen, that's why, watch this, if you won't... I'm going to wake all the men up here real quick. If you want good sex, pray before you have sex. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. God invented it. Right? So, Because so, what happens is is when you, when you turn your heart towards God and you really pray and not some, okay, bless God, thank you for da-da-da-da-da, but if you really have a God moment with each other, the presence of God will come in the room, and then you get to do what He created I just freaked some of y'all out. All right, here we go. Y'all looking at me either like you're scared or you don't believe me. All right, here we go. Go home and try it right after your chicken dinner. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> Better yet, fast. All right. That's good grief. <laughs> Amen. Thanks for coming today. Let's go. Anyways, all right, here we go. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, last one. Here we go. It says this. It's a young man. He says, watch this. We're talking about a woman unveiling her beauty and God doing the same. Once again, he wrote this. It says, you have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes. It says, with a single jewel of your necklace, your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine. Your perfume more fragrant than spices. Your lips are as sweet as nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are on your tongue and what every man desires. Your clothes are scented like the cedar of Lebanon's. Thank God we've improved. All right, anyway, so, but once again, here she is. She's, she is unveiling her beauty and she has captured the man's heart. And fellas, if I could just say one thing, your wife still desires to capture your heart. Respond. Please, all right. Help me, Jesus. Listen, it's my opinion, and we'll wrap it up with this. It's my opinion when we begin to look at how a man is designed and how a woman is designed. Man, you you, you can't agree more; it's complete opposite, right? right? And obviously, because it's uh, it's complete opposite, it's easy to understand why there's so many difficulties in our marriage. And so, where do we go wrong with all this? Come back next week. And we'll talk about it, okay? Because we don't have time. But come back next week. We're going to talk about that. But I'm going to give you this one last thought. If I can just sow this seed in your heart today. Fellas that are here, why wouldn't we want to empower our wives? Men in this church, why would we not want to empower the women in this church? Women, why would you not want to empower your husband? Women, why would you not want to empower the men in this church? So often we say get out of the way and let me do it. I'm more spiritual than you. No, 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 no. L- listen, there, there's got to be a, there's got to be grace and room to grow. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's pray. Father, we're simply asking today in the name of Jesus that you would Allow us to have a revelation and a greater understanding, not only of our our own design, but, Lord, also the design of the other gender. And, Lord, I'm asking, God, that none of us in this room would be so prideful to use our design against the other. And we wouldn't make excuses with it. And um, just, Lord, that we would just operate out of it in humility. Lord, I pray, God, that we would know our roles and we, would, and we would once again live more effectively out of them. God, that we would honor and love one another. Lord, that we would uh, really understand that when we operate from our roles and, uh, and allow our spouse to operate from their role, God, that life and marriage really becomes a joy and there's greater fulfillment in it. So, Lord, I'm, I'm asking today that every one of us in this room would be secure in our role. Lord, that we wouldn't be so insecure that we have to take it from somebody else of what should be theirs. So, Lord, I'm asking God that just in this room that the men, God, that we would be the leaders, not not domineering, but we would just lead with, like Jesus led. And, Lord, I'm asking God that, that the women would just, Lord, that they would learn how to follow. Lord, that we would learn how to uh, pull on the rope together and not pull against each other. Lord, just that the inward... Uh, wars and inward fighting and inward division in our hearts, Lord, I pray, God, that those things would be done. And Lord, I'm also asking God today by faith, Lord, if there's parts in our heart, parts in our heart where have been so beat down and suppressed, where there's so much disappointed, hurt, where there's wounds, Lord, through this process, God, would you begin to heal it? And God, if we need to just have the courage to say to our spouse, please forgive me. I repent. Forgive me for being that way. And uh, forgive me, even for uh, responding that way, or forgive me for hurting you. Whatever needs to be the case, Lord, I'm just asking God that this, through this process, that you begin to do only what you can do. And Lord, for the women that are here that their husbands aren't here, Lord, I'm asking God that you would begin to somehow, a supernatural way, God begin to plant these kind of thoughts in their hearts, so they can, uh, they too can have a complete marriage. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.